Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Yeah, we're talking football. It's such a great game. It's a shame that people have to get seriously hurt, but should that stand in the way? of the game being played. Bob's calling from Burlington. Hey, Bob. Hey, uh, just my two cents. And I realize you're a college-educated uh, individual, and a lot of the listeners are, and I'm not stating anything that a lot of people don't know. But I, I heard you uh, ask the question if the violence of football will ever be amended or changed. And while I agree that as our society softens, the definition of violence in football will change, I don't agree that you'll ever not see violence in football. And here's my reasoning. I understand, you know, as a college-educated guy, you're aware of bread and circuses, okay? And, and... And as we know, there's nothing new under the sun. As we saw with the Roman Empire, the way you keep the populace fed and, uh, 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 you know, in line. Fat and happy. Yes, fat and happy. And that's what football is, okay? You know, and I'm not trying to be the guy that knows better than the other guy. I'm just saying Football is that thing. It's a bleeder valve for the aggression or the uh, uh, for the populace that may have a problem with government overreach. It's a bleeder valve for for keeping us fat and happy. Yeah, and we in in short, I think it keeps us. Uh, it makes sure that we don't focus on politics as much as we do on sports. Yes, it keeps us satiated and and gets our our eyes off the prize. Real good theory there, Bob. And that's politics, right there with football. How about that? Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Call in a rant, please. Eight six zero seven five one forty six ninety eight. We're gonna get a traffic update, and well, that's what we do. You go to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Mark Christopher is nice enough to be there almost every day when we go to him, and he's watching the roads for us. Anything happening there? It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. 
WTIC, good afternoon. We will talk more about, about the issues connected to the incident last night in the football game. A little bit later, joining us right now, though, is Greg Charpentier. He's a psychologist from Rhode Island who has joined us in the past. He's also an author and a veteran and a father. Greg, nice to have you back. Hey, Todd. It's good to be back. Did I get all your uh, credentials there? Yeah, I think that's for the most part that that works. And podcaster. I almost forgot about that. I, I did mention podcaster, I think. Oh, okay. What's the name uh, of the podcast? Um, it's the Unconventional Therapist Guide to Nothing. It used to be Modern Therapist, but some fancy Los Angeles people um, copywrote that name, so we had to change it. Oh, I was wondering yeah. what happened, why that changed. Yeah, it got that's a little popular, though, I, I guess. You've got to watch awesome. out for those L.A. people. I know. Ugh. You know, they, we had they had their lawyers contact us, and uh, we bowed out immediately. <laughs> That's all it took. You, you knew what you were up against. I understand. Yeah, we should. Have. It gave us, you know, high anxiety, Todd. And I and I'm glad that you brought up um, to me outside of the show um, the idea to talk about anxiety because you mentioned something that you you noticed that it's more prevalent than ever before, and I it made me think like I think that's probably true. Some people would say, like, we just recognize it more, but I actually think that when I think about it, it's true that there's more anxiety today than ever before, and I think that's for a couple of reasons. Wow. Uh, so uh, there, because I wonder about this, too, about that split, that division between a responsibility for so much conversation about anxiety, because we do get pounded by the news. Like, we've been talking about this situation that happened in the football game last night. And yeah. Those yeah. things... No, uh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Say no, no, I was just say. I was just going to say I was watching that with my, you know, 15-year-old son last night and it was just like silence. That was that was really an intense moment, you know. I I, I don't know what you guys have been saying about it, but it's like, wow. I don't even know how to continue from there. Like it, it brings up a lot of questions like, you know, do I, I I almost feel like do I feel bad watching the game now? I don't know. Yeah, well, that's one of the questions that I think will be pushed at us, and people will try to make us feel guilty for wanting to to watch mm-hmm. the game, and and that's a question. One of the things that that we're discussing, and what will happen in the future, and is this part of uh, requiring that we be more touchy feely? But the part that that's in your sweet spot is the anxiety issue, and I think it plays into that as well because yeah. we do get bombarded by media, social media, and also the social mediafication of traditional media where you turn on a news program and they're they're playing viral videos and they lead with things that are emotional because they're emotional not because they're the biggest news story yeah no that makes sense but i think for me it's it's a couple of things it's there's this great um kierkegaard quote and he says anxiety is the dizziness of freedom and i think that brings something up because the way i think that we can identify ourselves is like our choices make up who we are. Like the things we choose to do are our identity, right? That, that's who we are essentially. So now more than ever, there's so many choices and it's difficult to, to know what to do, to do, to know what to do the right thing, to know what to do at all. I mean, if you think about Todd, like back, you know, a couple hundred years ago, I don't know, like I'm not a historian, but you know, if you were born on a farm, you weren't like, what am I going to do in my life? There's so many options. You're just going to be a <laughs> farmer. You know what I mean? So that took a lot of anxiety yes, the, away from me. The curse of opportunity. Yeah, it, it kind of is that way. And, you, you know, think about, like, the, the, when you're on Netflix, you're like, you might spend a half hour just going through the whole thing and not, never make a choice. 
And when we're not making that choice, that place that we live in is anxiety. So that, it's, it's up to us to start making choices, and it doesn't really matter what they are. Just make the wrong choice, and then you'll learn from it. Make the right choice, and you can continue on. But I think that's the amount of choice that people have these days is a huge contributor to anxiety. But it's also this other thing where it's nothing's really, like, meaningful anymore. Like, there's, like, everything kind of seems so pointless. And the thing you're talking about with social media, it's like, mm-hmm. you, can never, you can never live up to those people. Also, like, the politicians, they, they do these horrible things and they get caught for it, but nothing ever really comes from it. So you, you, there's this huge sense of, like, nothing really matters. And I think that's another thing that ties us to, you know, this sense of, like, nothing really matters. The, the antidote to anxiety is, is purpose and meaningfulness and, you know, like going out there and doing something. And I think that's gone. And also I, being, I, I think what you're saying, too, is being centered in yourself. I heard someone describing why they found meditation powerful uh, a couple months ago. And, and he talked about how meditation is a, a process of learning to get the stuff out of your head that makes all the noise and just being there without the noise of your inner narrative to shut off the the stream of words and thoughts and analysis and all that stuff and be able to experience yourself as part of a larger consciousness and Um, uh, that's something i would think if you Think about how you described, Greg, the, how we used to live, like on the farm and without all this opportunity. And we've heard recently about how we only can operate in communities of intimacy, you know, a couple hundred people or whatever, so that we know people. And I wonder if all that feeds anxiety today as well. Well, what, it, what you're talking about with the meditation or the mindfulness or whatever you want to call it is it's like if you're, you're getting some space from those, those thoughts, but you're also getting some space from the 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 social constructs and the social, like the social norms. And you're, you're coming out of the, the, the depression of the past and the anxiety of the future. And you're just taking a moment for yourself. So you're just kind of separating yourself from all this, this, this thing that we're thrown into every day. And I also think that it's like a change of culture too, because, you know, anxiety is simplified as much as you can do it. It's just like this emotion of the future. And it's, it's really just based on things like thoughts, essentially that of situations or, you know, outcomes that haven't even happened yet. So it's not even real. And it didn't used to limit people as much because they had more purpose. Like, it was important for people, you know, when I was a kid or, or when my father was a kid, it was important to be strong, and it was important to support yourself and your family. So when things got tough, there was a big reason to, to push through that. And now there's just, like, when I was talking about before, like, that sense of meaninglessness, there's not a big enough reason for anybody to be like, yeah, like, I need to do this. It's important to be strong. It's obviously not important to be strong anymore. It's important to, like, raise my family. It's important to have these strong family values. That's obviously not important anymore. And there's, mm. there's no, like, religious or, like, other out, like, factors out there that are driving you to be a better person. So it's just, like, this nothingness. And it's, like, what's the point almost mentality? That's what I see. Yeah, those are good things, and I think it connects to another factor. We're talking to Greg Charpentier. He's a podcaster and psychologist. I, I was talking to my wife this morning about how kids don't work in paying jobs as much as they used to. It's been blocked to a large extent from young people because the pay keeps going up. And that, that may, means that uh, if you're the employer, you want the older, experienced person, not the kid coming in who you have to train and then disappears after a few weeks. But I, I do think that when we're young, jobs, uh, those of us old enough to have had them when we were teenagers, meant a lot in terms of learning that you 
had um, power, your own power, to go out into the marketplace and, and uh, make money and therefore survive. It, like, that made adulthood feel less scary. Yeah, and it's like it, tra- it taught you something. It taught you that, you know, it separated you from your family, and it, and it taught you that you're driving the, own bu- the bus of your own life. You know, you're, you're going to be on your own someday. You're going to have to make decisions. You're going to have to meet people. You're going to have to do all these things that make you a person. And I think that's true. Like, I think responsibility, actually, Viktor Frankl, who's like this famous existential psychologist, always said from the sta- across from the Statue of Liberty on the West Coast, there should be a, a statue of responsibility because responsibility helps you <laughs> find purpose. It does. Uh-huh. It helps you find purpose. It's like I have to get up and go to work every day. I don't. I may not love my job. It does, it's not about like having this awesome like blogger job or food critic or whatever these kids want to be. It's about that thing that's going to take care of your family. There's 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 purpose in that in that responsibility. And without responsibility, without purpose, without meaning, you're just left in this space of nothingness. And that's that's where this all comes from. It's it's like you know. And, and from the beginning, I said. You know, the choices that we make are who we are. And I believe that to be true 100%. But it's like, how are we making our choices is what's important. Like, our, You make your choices with your values. And I think the values of the young people now, and not all of them, but they need to be, they're different than they were back. Like, it's, there's nothing. Well, we don't teach values anymore. That's true. And that's the problem. And I think the values are like one of the most important things in the world without, because if you're not going to have religion, and if that's not going to be a driving force of morality, then you've got to have at least that, your own values that like, dictate how you, know, you, you, you operate in this world. Otherwise, you're going to keep seeing the same tragedies that we see over and over again. And it's just it's kind of sad. So I guess in closing, you know, the, the making those choices, doing according with our values and doing, not just being stagnant, get out there and do something. And that's going to be the antidote to a lot of anxiety. Allow yourself to feel the anxiety and don't avoid, like, you know, oh, this thing gives me anxiety. Good. Go do it some more. Because yeah. if you give your, your body the chance to understand that, you can get through those anxieties. It's just that it's, it's almost like, I don't want to say a weakness, but it's like the only way through anxiety is through it. That's it. It's the only option. Well, and, and when you find something, when you come across something that causes you some kind of internal disruption, I, I like your idea of confronting it and working, you know, develop, developing your own comfort with that thing that is causing you discomfort so you can move on. And then that's a positive lesson instead of a negative one. Right. And if you don't do those things like you like we all used to have to do, then you just make your world smaller and smaller and smaller because that thing scared you. You didn't like the feeling. So you backed off of it. And now the next thing's gonna you're going to keep backing off. But what you find when you do confront these things, whatever's giving the anxiety you'll notice that it, your anxiety can only go so high. You're not going to pass out. You're not going to die. You're, you might, maybe you'll have a panic attack, but that's okay because that's just your body's way of protecting you. But once you show your body that there's nothing to be protected from, you've got to allow your body to see that for it to happen. Like The only way through panic disorder is through, through panic attacks. Seeing them through, realizing that at the end of this panic attack, you made Mastering. it and you're okay. Right? Yeah. I mean, so. So you said you were watching the game with your 15 year old last night. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And yeah. how did you deal with it? Did you take it as an opportunity to talk it through? Yeah, we did. And, uh, and, he, and he was talking about, like, what would be the point of someone, want, someone wanting to play football? And I said, you know, Jack, like, if you think about it, there's people getting paid a lot less money to put their lives on the line. And, you know, talking about, like, making it about, like, the military or, or something like. You know, when people put on these pads and these helmets, and, and I don't, I, I, I want to be as sensitive as possible because I was quiet on my couch. But there's, um, 
you're paid to, to take that risk, unfortunately. There's no one saying that football is not dangerous, and everyone that, that plays football knows, knows the risk. And obviously we haven't seen something like that. But you're getting paid millions of dollars to take those risks, and you're, you're well aware of what you're getting yourself into. And I obviously pray for him and his family, and I hope he, he feels like you know, he gets through this. Or, so, I, but I, but I, you're I, saying there's a, we all make cost-benefit analyses. Absolutely. Um, and, absolutely. And, and we do it without even knowing it. You know, we can't afford a fancy car that has all the safety opportunities, you know, the, the latest devices and technology and, and fancy brakes and all that. So we buy a cheaper one. But we could maybe adjust our lifestyle a little bit in order Absolutely. to have a safer car. But we make the decision not to. Those right. are reasonable things to do within the margin of error of life. And we accept them. And maybe the football players look at it through that same lens. It's all about choices and who you want to be. So like a Navy SEAL knows that their chances of dying are very high. But they also want that glory. They want that chance that, like, uh, people talking about their name forever. And we're talking about this, this young man's name right now. And he, he will have glory, and he will be remembered. And he's not just, no matter what happens to him, he's not just some other, like, he, he's not just a blip. He became something. And yeah, but the real glory for us all is, is where we find our engine really humming, right? Doing the things we were designed to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're, you're, you'll, you'll help you. And that's another thing that's great about anxiety is because if you're, not do, if you're not in the right place, you'll feel anxiety. So instead of trying to avoid it, just follow. Like, mm. If you're feeling anxiety. <laughs> let it speak to you. Yeah, let it tell you. Like, you know, anxiety just tells you that there's something, your body's way of telling you that you, you have to do something. Like Michael Phelps, for example, he's this, this obviously great. By the way, we just have one minute, so bring oh, this okay. in for a landing. I'll, I'll wrap it up. So you, you, you take him out of the pool. What's he going to start feeling right away? Anxiety. Because doing, doing other, like, if everything's just a distraction, and then your anxiety lets you know it's time to move on to the next thing. And if you don't listen to it, you just mm. get stuck. And if you avoid it, it's even worse. So, you know, follow, don't change your relationship with anxiety. Allow it to be that useful tool that it's, it's made to be. I like that. All right, Greg Sharpens here. Nice to have you here again. Tell us the name of the podcast once more. Uh, the Unconventional Therapist Guide to Nothing. We cover everything from folklore to crime. You know, you name it, we cover it. Uh, you guys have a good time. Artist. Yeah, we have a great time. It's fun. All right. Thank you so much for being here, Greg. Good to talk with you. All right, Todd. Thanks a lot. Greg Sharpentier, 860-522-9842. Interesting thoughts about anxiety and how to manage kids, I guess, in this era. We're going to get a traffic update, and uh, then we'll take a phone call or two. The BPS Lawyers Traffic Center, Mark Christopher, is there watching to see what's happening. What are you looking at? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Yeah, WTIC, Tuesday. We got the world back in gear, getting back in gear, and a lot going on. Kevin McCarthy not winning the speakership, which uh, I think everybody thought was going to fall into place. And, of course, the tragic incident at the football game last night that is on everybody's minds, and we've been talking about that. Let's uh, check in with George and Vernon. Hi, George. Hi, how are you? Oh, go ahead, George. Yes, I'm not sure what the big deal about this gentleman uh, who had the uh, issue on the football field. Uh, I understand, and I uh, completely uh sympathize with this gentleman, but you know what? If you or I got a heart attack somewhere at work, I don't think we would be, uh, be discussing this to the extent that it's being discussed at this point. Well, you're, that's true. This was on national TV with uh, probably the biggest TV audience of the week, so it impacted yeah. a lot of people. And, and seeing, you know, you raise a good issue that actually witnessing events that are very normal but ugly changes how you feel about those events and, and changes how society moves. Right. So it, it's the same thing. If a celebrity dies or uh, passes away, I should say, uh, this gentleman has unfortunately had a, uh, an issue on the field. What is that any different from anybody else having a heart attack or having issues this is getting way blown out of proportion. Well, as I, I'm concerned. Yeah, I I think it's unavoidable because so many people saw it. So, if um, you know, if if everybody, if 30 million people had to watch you take a shower in the morning or me take a shower in the morning, everyone would be talking about that, and that'd be blown out of proportion. So you've got a point. Thank you, George. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. We've got Red Janky coming up in a few minutes. We've got the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center right now. We're going to visit with Mark Christopher. What's happening, Mark? Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Hey there. Yep. Here we go. Let's grab one more call, and we'll talk to Red Janky. Uh, let's go to one leg. Greg calling from South Carolina. Hey, Greg. Hey, Todd. How are you? And, What's happening? Um, Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, that George was saying about, you know, if you have a heart attack at work, um, yeah, you're not really care of <clears throat> by your employer, but you know, this was in, this was caused by the, you know, by being hit in the chest. So it's a little bit different, and I, I don't think, you know, everyone thinks that. Um, these football players make millions and millions, and some of them do, but not all of them. Not friends with a football player who actually happens to play for uh, uh, Buffalo Bills. I'm not going to say his name. I just I just looked up looked him up, and I know a few years ago he was working for five hundred thousand dollars a year. 
And yeah, I think um, that's the uh, minimum salary, maybe now. Yeah, but you know now he's on free agency and he's getting a million too. But what people don't understand, and I, I learned this from my neighbor across the street, who actually is a retired NFL coach, and he wasn't a head coach. Well, he was a head coach. That's all right. Tell us the point he made for, for colleges and stuff. But anyways, every game. At the end of the year, every state, they have to fill out. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, anytime they're playing in another state, they go to pay taxes. Right, but it's a different tax because it's like an an entertainment tax. So it's a totally different risk. Yeah, but well, not only that, Greg, let's not forget that they don't get to play for that long. So. You know, if, uh, I think the average NFL career is 10 years, so you're making big money for 10 years, but you've got to be savvy to make sure it lasts your whole life and that you keep that advantage. Thank you so much for the call. We're going to go to Red Janky. He is found at his uh, website, the-red-line.com, the red line, the-red-line.com. Red, happy New Year, happy Christmas. We had a good time a couple weeks ago the last time. We were on together because we talked music and, and got all silly. So I don't know what, what what kind of mood you're in today, but that was fun. Yeah, no, that was great fun. And Happy New Year, uh, indeed. And the uh, we got a couple of, uh, I guess, topics uh, that people are talking about today. One is the, uh, the tragedy on the field uh, in Cincinnati. But, you know, they're kind of – I'd parse uh, – Sports injuries in, in two categories. One are those that are uh, very acute and very rare, such as, as this heart attack uh, in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, to give a little context, we had a high school hockey player um, down here in, in uh, southwest Connecticut die in a hockey game last year. Yeah, that was really horrible. A horrific yeah. incident. He he was not wearing a neck guard, and <clears throat> he fell while another skater was skating by him. And what a horrible scene! Oh yeah, to just even imagine it. his neck. Yeah. So I think there are, you know, many sports in which this freak accidents can occur. Um, you know, if you're skiing downhill at 80 miles an hour and you hit a tree, you're not likely to survive. So you said there's so two there types? Are, and the second type is chronic injury. And you can't really do anything about freak accidents. Okay? Someone at some point is not going to be wearing a neck guard again sometime in the future. And there's well, a danger there in hockey. I don't like the way you're presenting it like like it's about the neck guard. Well, it, it's not really about the neck guard. Freak accidents happen in contact sports, and every once in a, in a great while somebody is dies. Um, I think we also hear frequently about um, football practices, uh, early season, preseason practices, in extreme heat, and um, players die of heat prostration. Yeah, it used to be so that that's um, preventable. 
It, it used that's, to be that, that that was part of the, the the masculine training. You weren't supposed to want water or feel hot because it was 100 degrees. Yeah, yeah. So that's preventable, and I think uh, I think we're making progress on that. Um, in both football and hockey, um, football because of the contact, there are a whole number of of plays that have been uh, banned, such as head butting. Um, but the long-term cost of that is is this um, brain disease, brain trauma. Um, it's, it's funny how, um, uh, you know, if they didn't develop these helmets and all this protective gear, then people would not be able to collide at such high speeds. So the more they try to keep people safe by building safety equipment for them, the, the graver the danger they put them in. Well... Yes, there's certainly that dynamic. There's no question. It's, uh, I'll share a funny anecdote that illustrates your point. Uh, NHL goalies did not even wear helmets back in the 60s. Did not have much face less. masks. They didn't, much less face masks. They didn't even wear helmets. Well, I don't okay. know. Is that, do you need the helmet more than the face mask if you're a goalie? I would, I would think you want that thing over your face more than anything else. Oh, those, those well, pucks are coming well, fast it, and they're the hard. The fact that you say that illustrates my point. They weren't yeah. wearing either. Yeah. So Gump Worsley, who was the uh, Rangers goalie at the time, was asked about how he felt and what he did when he saw Bobby Hull winding up to take a slap shot. And for those who uh, don't know hockey history, Bobby Hell was Mr. Slapshot. He, even if he were playing today, would probably have the hardest slap shot in the NHL. Um, so Worsley's answer to that was, what do you do when Bobby Hull winds up to take a slap shot? His answer was, I get out of the way. Yeah. As the goalie. Yeah. And I hope my coach doesn't <laughs> see it. <laughs> I think that's a tough one to accomplish. Yeah, exactly. But your point is that if he didn't, now no one gets out of the way, they do their job because it won't be fatal there. They've got so much protection on. And there's a lot of money at stake. So the motivation is a lot. Uh, more serious and everybody's in better shape and everyone's better trained and it's just much more violent. So where does that leave us? What's your feeling about this red? Well, I think the long-term thing in hockey, um, you know, the old joke is I went to a boxing match last night and a hockey game broke out. Yeah. Um, so now fighting, you're going to see there's already so much less fighting in hockey. And I think within a decade, there will be no more fighting in hockey. Um, it'll be a game ejection. And when it becomes a game ejection, um, it'll be over. Mm -hmm. So, But what's your the, feeling about football? Are, are you feeling that there's some kind of change called for? Or is this just um, the, the fact that we've got so many cameras pointing at every angle of what's going on and so many people watching that it gets magnified? Well, I think football is inherently violent, and I don't see any rule change um, 
and that can be instituted that's going to eliminate that. You've got huge bodies colliding at, you know, in the opposite direction. The high speed. speed. Yeah. Think of, think, think of uh, kickoffs. I mean, there you've got both teams running at each other at top speed, and there are some large bodies involved, right? You, you can't eliminate that. You, you just can't eliminate that. So We're talking to Red Janky. The-red-line.com is his website, the-red-line.com. But, but I don't I know that football is actually – football is a more physical game, and there is more violence in it than – uh, play after play. But at the same time, there haven't been a lot of these kinds of injuries. We have to think that this is probably going to end up being that that maybe a, a genetic predisposition overlapped with a hard play that and, and that it was kind of a fluky thing because it, it, there aren't many heart attacks in football despite all the violence. Well, hey, listen, there was a hockey player, I'm trying to remember his name, who took a slap shot to the chest, and um, he left the game, and he he had some heart problems. I think what happened is he had an irregular heartbeat after that happened, and they monitored him very closely. They took him to the hospital in case something might happen, um, and he... he uh, he was on the IR for a couple of games thereafter. Um, so it can happen in hockey. A real thumping to your chest is very traumatic. The real thing, uh, you know, most of what is talked about in hockey and in football are head, is head, long-term head trauma right? Um, and brain damage. And I think the, way, the only thing you can really do about that is when somebody has a concussion, they really do have to stay out of the game until they're fully recovered because it's repeated concussions and it's predominantly con concussions on top of concussions from which you have not yet recovered that are really damaging in the long term. Red, we're and running short on time. Where, did you want to comment on the Kevin McCarthy situation? I think Kevin is not going to be speaker because plan A was to get the 218, and he's not there. The plan B that I read about was that they'd switched the rules to whomever gets a plurality, which means that he'd have to get somewhere north of 212, which is what Hakeem Jeffries got as the Democratic candidate, and he just got 203. So they can't change the rules to a plurality, which I think means Kevin McCarthy's dead, and it's probably going to be Steve Scalise. Which seems like uh, that's a perfectly fine solution. Yeah, he's deputy. He was he was deputy to um, to him in the last Congress, so he's he's the next in line, so to speak. And he's, he's got the experience and the knowledge, and people like him, and he's ideological, whereas McCarthy's just a, a power guy, it seems. Right, right. It's, it's fun to watch it play out. McCarthy's wanted it for a long time. He's been waiting for a long time to get his shot, and his shot really yep. evaporated when the election uh, didn't bring a few more, you know, another, uh, another 10 
congressman with R's next to their name would have uh, put them in a much better position. Yeah. Yep. All right, Red. Nice to talk with you. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Happy New Year. Good to be back. We will talk to you again soon. Red Janky. V-Red-Line.com. Let's talk to Joe in the car before we get to a newscast. Hello, Joe. In the car? Yes, Joe, go. Hey, listen, I just, I don't know. When when you're under cardiac arrest, they get on your chest and they pound on it to get that heart going. So what they're saying is, this guy got hit so hard in the chest, why wouldn't it stop it? I mean, you know. And they should make that, that when you have your, your gear on, it should go way down below your pelvis, really low. So impacts like that cannot happen. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it's traumatic to get hit like that. And um, the, you need the trauma when your heart stops, but, but you don't need the trauma when your heart's doing. Well, when you get hit that time. hard, I'm wondering if that's, you know what I mean? The guy got hit hard. Maybe he did. just stopped it like that, you know? Yeah, it's it's pretty unusual situation, but not that unusual. It's not unheard of. It is, if you get hit uh, with a certain amount of velocity and impact in just the right spot, it can stun the heart into stopping. And, of course, it has to do with which heart is involved, you know, whose heart it is and what kind of condition it's in. Yeah, if it's stronger or not as strong, you're right. And and a lot of um, I assume a lot of athletes use a lot of drugs to deal with the pain, whether legal ones or illegal ones. I'm not trying to cast aspersions. I'm just saying I think it's a fact of the territory, and that might play into it too. Thank you, Joe. Good to talk with you. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. We're going to play the rants in the next half hour. Call in a rant, please. Eight six zero seven five one forty six ninety eight. Yep, that's your job. Dial that number anytime you like, but you can do it right now, or you can do it in 12 hours if you want, when you when you get up to get a glass of water. It's always there. We're going to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. It's always there, and Mark Christopher is its sole occupant on a permanent basis in perpetuity. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.